Hello and welcome into another edition of the Daily Blues Podcast on 101ESPN.com. My name is Dan Betlock with you for this Monday, January 13th of 2020. Blues coming off an impressive victory over the New York Rangers on Saturday night, Saturday night hockey night at Enterprise Center. Went the Blues way, winning their eighth straight at the Enterprise Center. They'll host the Ducks tonight. Blues now with 65 points on the year, getting 29, having 29 victories on the season. Let's hear how the victory happened against the Rangers. Rip one wide, and the puck's coming all the way back down the ice. We're just underway. Period number one. Blues get it in front. Sundquist puts it on as Lundquist turned it over, and it's grabbed back by Shen on the near wing. Here's Sundquist to the blue line. Falk to Bo Meester with time, and that shot gets on off the left leg of Lundquist, and out of the zone it goes. Wow, the blue zone was just countered really early there. Henrik Lundquist. Rangers clear to the near side, and Cheadle brings it up to the red. He enters the St. Louis zone, and he shoots and scores. Bennington stabbed at it with the left glove and somehow went inside that post and in. And what looked like a nonchalant shot to the net ends up putting the Rangers on top, 1-0, minute 36 into the period. Yeah, you see the reaction right after Jordan Bennington lets this in. He kind of shakes his head and throws his head down out of disappointment. He knows he should have had this puck right here. And in the far corner, Rangers come off the wall. Turn it over. Mikola finds O'Reilly. O'Reilly clears it up ice. Blues were changing the puck deflected back into their zone. They avoided too many men on the ice, but they couldn't get it deep. Butchnevich shoots it on. Bennington the save, and now Falk gets it 200 feet down. Wings it on the backhand to the near side. Panarin recovers, tried to go down low, and it's coming out. Here's Barbashev to Bortuzzo. Breakaway, shoots, he scores! Robert Bortuzzo says, give me some. (laughs) He ties the game. The defenseman with a breakaway coming out of the box. 1-1 the score. 10-22 to go, first period. Bortuzzo comes out of the box after sitting. He's rested. It's been over four minutes, and you see the whole bench on their feet. How much more excited can you be for 41? He is probably it's probably his first breakaway in the National Hockey League for the his penalty first goal of the year. Yeah, first for the penalty killing specialist defenseman comes out of the box. Barbership hits him directly. Looks like he doesn't get much on it. Actually, looks like he fans on the shot. And it goes five-hole on Lundquist right there. That's exactly that? what he meant to do with the puck, Joe. <laughs> a little off-speed. <laughs> Trying to shoot it with Sanford. It deflects to the line. Nice play by Petrangelo to Dunn, and he shot it. Lunging save by Lundquist. Back to Dunn in the middle to Sanford. Pokes at it. Comes over to the near wing. And now it's Sanford. Drags it off the wall. What a play to Dunn. He shoots. He scores. Vince Dunn. Another shot along the Beats a frustrated Henrik Lundqvist. But a stellar play by Sanford to get him the puck. 119 to go. And the Blues have taken a 2-1 lead here in the first period. Well, this is how Zach Sanford can impact a game. He's a big body. He can play physical, but he's also got another tool. He can be creative, and he's so elusive with the puck. He's crawling up the near side wall, heading towards the point. He ends up dragging it to the middle. Toe drags Kako right at the top of the circle, loses his man. And then you see the weak side defenseman and Vince Dunn creep down. What great vision, great move by Zach Sanford setting Vince Dunn up. And he goes far side on Lundquist. And just like that, the Blues grab the lead. Keeping it out that has proven to be a bit of the bugaboo. Here's Kreider shooting it on. Bennington looks behind him. Yeah. 
He closes those legs up. Holds the puck and gets the whistle. Shen in the far circle. Waits. Straight away Petrangelo. Now Perron. Perron holds. Back to Petrangelo. To Shen far side. Through to Perron. He shoots. He scores! Over the right shoulder of Henrik Lundqvist. Power play goal for David Perron. His 20th goal of the year. Eighth on the man advantage. The Blues have taken a 3-1 lead. 18.34 to go. Period number two. Well, there's your all-star right there. And right before this, you see David Perron commanding the power play. He actually took his hand off his stick and started directing like a quarterback. He got some movement. He got him and Petrangelo. They interchange. They switch. It kind of opened up a little bit of a lane. But the key to all of it, Curbs, the forward for the New York Rangers in Zabinijad loses his stick about 10 seconds prior. So because of that, a lane opens up up top. And what a heads-up play by the Blues power play to see that seam hit it. What a one-timer. Terrific shot right over the right shoulder of Henrik Lundqvist. Trying to launch it to the net. It's blocked away. McEachern gets it back. Leaves for Dunn. Skeets into Barbashev. What a save by Lundqvist. He made a huge one, keeping it a two-goal game. Now Dunn over to Bo Meester. Checking his way to Buchnevich, and it comes to the near wing. Rolled by Howden down into the corner, not a Cheadle. He's got the Rangers goal. They find Howden and score. 3-2. Rangers back within one is a lost assignment. From the Blues defense in front of the net. As them picking the puck right out of their goal. Well, that's just it. Misassignment was that you have two defensemen going to the same guy. And Cheadle's behind the net. You got Justin Falk and Jay Bomeister. They're in great position. They're right in front of Jordan Bennington, right where they need to be. There is the miscommunication, though, or maybe no communication for that matter. Taylor Rose looking for Sanford. He picked it away with Barbashev. It's two on one. Sanford to Barbashev to Sanford. They score! And Sanford has a goal and an assist in the game to give the Blues a two-goal lead again. It's 4-2, 9.26 to play, period number two. Boy, I tell you what, there was a toe drag that set up the Vince Dunn earlier and right here in the neutral zone now. Zach Sanford's going to make the same move on Hayek, the defenseman for the New York Rangers, a toe drag right at the red line. That's going to set up the two-on-one. It goes Sanford to Barbashev, one touch right back to Sanford. I mean, you got Henrik Lundqvist. He is swimming everywhere right there. He has no prayer. Rangers bring it in. High slot near side, D'Angelo, and a piece of the puck grab by Bennington. Deflects it up over the glass and out of play. St. Louis Blues on top. They win the draw on their own end. Oscar Sundquist looks to clear. Sends it out to Schwartz. That touch over to Shen. Brings it back to Schwartz. He scores! He came up the ice and made quick work of it. Jaden Schwartz deflects in the Blues' fifth goal of the hockey game. And they take a 5-2 lead on the Rangers with 5-10 to go in period number two. Well, what a full line effort right here. This play develops in the D zone. It's a puck just inside the blue line. It's number 70, Oscar Sundquist. He's going to make this entire play happen. It's a wall play. He gets pinched down, but he makes the play. He chips it out to Jaden Schwartz, who kicks it to Brayden Shen. It's a two-on-two. Zabinijad has Brayden Shen. He's got Jaden Schwartz there right on the back door. It's complete coverage. But what a feathered saucer pass that would make Mr. Alfredo out of Italy jealous right there as Braden Shen comes in, throws it perfectly timed right on the stick 
of Jaden Schwartz right there on the back door. And what a fantastic sequence right there. That puck knocked away, and the Blues are able to hold it in. Steen made the play down to O'Reilly. She centers to Bortuzzo. Another one on. Save made. Lundquist. He spun around. Bortuzzo nearly had two in the game as this one's coming out. Haley took a run at Bortuzzo. They go to center. Bennington makes the save. She denied D'Angelo. Now the Rangers put it on. Another save. Bennington swatted away with the stick. They pound at it. He keeps it out with the right leg. Covers it up, and there's the whistle. You know, my favorite part of the We Went Blues video they just put up there is Lada Caruso standing in the background not knowing what in the hell to do. <laughs> That's Brett. Eight seconds to go in regulation. Dunn's going to get it over the line. Whoa, he takes two slashes by Truba. Yep. A third and a fourth, a fifth, and Dunn's just going to drop and start throwing. Vince Dunn drops on Truba at the buzzer, and they go. Dunn lands a couple. The linesmen are going to try to get in there. He said, I had enough, and he turned red, and he just popped him right in the mouth. Truba with about five two-handers on Vince Dunn, and Dunn said, that's enough. Well, as I was just saying, Curbs, that's, that's the riskier run on a late power play when you're up by a lot of goals, and Vince Dunn can kill this puck in the neutral zone. There's 10 seconds to go in the game, but Vince Dunn ends up taking it all the way to the offense zone. He tries to score, and Truba takes offense to that, and he should. And he goes in, he whacks him once, whacks him twice, whacks him three times. How about Vince Dunn? Gets pissed off, gives him a pop of the left, another pop of the left. They drop him, and Vince Dunn, a couple sharp rights there right at the end. What a scrap right there for Vince Dunn. Some fireworks at the end as the Blues were said finally enough. And I think we saw that kind of mantra with the Blues last season where teams tried to bait the Blues into fighting them. And we saw a lot of that with the Rangers yesterday. But the Blues, and credit to them, and I think this has a lot to do has a lot to do with Craig Berube. Just put their head down and skate away. And Vince Dunn finally said enough is enough. And I couldn't agree more with Vince dropping those gloves because he, I mean, five slashes to the back. I mean, come on, that's enough. You got to stand up for yourself at some point. Vince did so. And I love seeing everyone else jump in, flying in to protect their teammates and uh, that is the sign of everyone having their back and it's a sign of a good hockey club and a tight hockey club and we saw it last year and it's carrying over into this year and it's a re- big reason why the Blues are first uh, in the Central Division in the Western Conference. Chris Kerber was on with the Bernie Nicholas show to talk about said victory and to give a little preview tonight with the Ducks coming to Enterprise Center so here's Kerbs on with the Bernie Nicholas show. Is there anything about this team that surprises you at this point in terms of their ability to come up with what they need to come up to reverse course, to get back in their winning ways and to sustain their winning? No, at this point, not really. I mean, you're talking now well over a, you're talking over a calendar year of just a very matter-of-fact approach, and uh, there's, there's no worry in them. Uh, they compete. They play hard. Uh, I, I think you know you have to expect some games where it's just not going to be there, whether it be mental fatigue, physical fatigue, schedule fatigue, life fatigue, who knows. Uh, and then sometimes you do have to give credit to another team that's full of pro hockey players too that are trying to do the same thing you are, which sometimes we forget up to, about. So uh, uh, not, nothing does. Uh, he, Craig, Craig Berube has put and instilled a, a, an amazingly tough mental uh, approach to this hockey team that I got to tell you, the, the comments coming in the last week, Bernie, have been this, and, and this is, I think it's like, like it, this is just an impressive team. Uh, there, there's no way around it. It's just an impressive team. 
and they find a way to fluster other teams too, even just just by doing their thing. It, you know, it, it just but just by like the Rangers the other night. I mean, the Blues look. The Blues will uh, uh, play the rough game if you you want to do that, uh, and they're going to play heavy hockey, as everyone calls it. Uh, the Blues aren't necessarily going to go out of their way to antagonize. Um, it happens in hockey, but they're not a they're not a team that's going to stir something up when there's no reason to. And the Rangers just were frustrated that they couldn't physically handle this team. And uh, we saw the uh, the extracurriculars at, at the end of the game. Yeah, I, and I didn't mind it, by the way. Look, I, I think I understand the frustration of Jacob Truba and Henrik Lundqvist. You know, they were getting hammered. Uh, th- th- there was just no room for them out there. The, the Blues just destroyed them. Made, them, made them look like an American Hockey League team in a lot of ways. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and in terms of just skill level, that's right. not so much a knock on the American Hockey League, of course. And, uh, you know, and but at one point in time, you had Michael Haley kind of running around a little bit. They had another player running around, uh, taking some runs at Petrangelo. So with eight seconds to go, I have no problem with Vince Dunn saying the hell with this, and he brings the puck over the line with some speed, gets slashed five times by Truba, and then he and then and then Dunn just snapped, which was just great. So I understand both sides of it. I also fully accept the fact that, dude, that's part of hockey. It's in the rules. They handled it. They move on. Absolutely, no doubt about it. By the way, since uh, Vladimir Tarasenko was injured on the evening October 24th, the Blues won that game. But starting with the 25th, which ironically was a loss in Boston, the Blues are 24-8-4, 52 points most in the league over that time, 722 points percentage best in the league over that time. Look, I got to tell you, pal, we knew the Blues had depth. Or I'm, Let me speak for myself. I knew the Blues had depth. I knew that they were in better position to uh, fill in for a guy like Tarasenko more than a lot of teams. No, I could not have actually said with a straight face that they would do this well. And I think if anybody did, they might be a tad disingenuous. Do well, sure. This well, you know, that's another thing. And Joe Batali worked up some numbers, and when he talked to him this week, it'd be a good topic, uh, Bernie. He, and when you when you miss a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko, who at the time getting injured over the last four or five years, with second to Ovechkin and even strength goals, right? Uh, you're, you're talking about having to replace that. Well, the only way you can do that, because let's face it, you're not going to go. You're just not going to pull up another sniper, and he's going to rip off 30 goals. But you have to do it incrementally. And even though a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, his goal scoring is down, his assist pace is up. You've got guys like Braden Shen with with 10 more goals than than he had at this point a, a season ago. You've got Jaden Schwartz with more points already this year than he had all of last year. You know, you've got David Perron at a point a game, a career high already in power play points, tied his career high in power play goals in the last game. Things along those kind of lines. Alex Petrangelo's production. Even though the rest of the defensive production is down a little bit, Alex Petrangelo is up. So, so incrementally, they filled in that gap, and it's pretty amazing to think, and I didn't update it after the last game, but we're talking decimal points here. Uh, 3.2 goals per game is what they were averaging going into the Rangers game with Vladimir Tarasenko out over the 35 games. That's the same goal per game average they had with Vladimir before he got hurt. Uh, it, it's been really 
really amazing to watch what this team has done. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you, you look at yeah, they, I think I was I did a couple notes this morning, and they twenty three players have scored at least a goal since uh, Tarasenko went out. So they they're you know they're covering their they're covering that's more than a roster. I know it's pretty amazing. Uh, and then let's let's go to the man of the hour, so to speak, David Perron, because he I did a thing about him at seven fifteen and got some great feedback from our listeners, and I'm grateful for that. But uh, he Perron's just having an extraordinary season, and you talk about a guy coming through. Uh, without Tarasenko, 15 goals, 23 assists in 36 games, and leads a team in just about everything, even strength goals, power play goals, game-winning goals, overtime goals. Uh, this has been fascinating for me. I remember when he showed up as a 19-year-old, and this is his third tour in St. Louis, and in some ways he represented the Blues experience in a not-so-positive way. That young group of players had never quite put it together as as a group. But now when he came back the third time around, he represents everything you dreamed of the Blues being. And he's kind of right in the middle of that. So I I love his career and how he's reached this stage and how he and the team are enjoying the best years of his career. You know, I found uh, we we were doing some work here at the house and uh, still cleaning out some basement stuff over the years. And I found uh, uh, it might have been the St. Louis Magazine from 2000. Nine, two thousand six, somewhere in there, and and it had David Perron, Eric Johnson, David Backus, T.J. Oshie, all in the front cover, and and I, I looked at it, and and I said this the other day on the broadcast, the, the where the Blues got to now, if you're going to tell the story the right way, you have to tell the story that Perron, Johnson, Backus, Oshie, the early days of Alexander Steen, uh, Carlo Coliacopo, some of those guys. You've got to give them credit for turning the franchise around. And it's not something that, that, that Bernie, I, I don't think it's something that you just brush over. And the reason I say that is because when I look at, at the continued struggles of the New Jersey Devils, the Edmonton Oilers, the Calgary Flames, the you know some of these other franchises that, that have just been out of the playoffs for a long time and have a hard time staying in, you know, those the Buffalo Sabres, four times to the playoffs in 15 years, that kind of thing. That young group of guys turned a franchise around in, a, in in pretty quick order when you talk about a five-year stretch. And, uh, and and David Perron was part of that. So then he gets the experience of going to Edmonton, of going to Pittsburgh, of going to Anaheim. When he's in Edmonton, he's playing in a top-line role. When he's in Anaheim, he's with Getzloff. And he's playing top six with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then he comes here. Now, now, now you get, again, the benefit. Oh, and then, of course, top six in, in, in what they thought was a career year in Las Vegas. This may top it if he stays healthy and continues to go. Now you're getting the benefit of that experience um, that, that David has. And he has been terrific in the chemistry that he and Ryan O'Reilly have had. And look, and I, and I still think, and this, is, this may be nuts to say, there's still more from those guys, and that will depend on whether or not it's Zach Sanford, who's played well the last few games there, or somebody else. But solid play from that left-wing spot is going to make those guys even better. Well, I, I agree. And by the way, your point's very well taken about how that group pulled that team out of the swamp, and it was in the swamp. And those that young core turned that thing around. They couldn't get to the mountaintop, but, that's, uh, but, but yeah, you're right. Their contribution shouldn't be... Uh, uh, underestimated. Well, and, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and, and the other the other aspect of that, Bernie, is you know you look at in, in Yarmo Kekalainen, who was running the draft at that point in time. You know, when you're talking about the fact that, and and I think you, you I may have shared this with you. I know fans have heard me say this, but 
you know, they had the first overall pick in 2006 with Eric Johnson. Uh, the next year, you know, they, they traded the ninth overall pick to Anaheim. That's when, or I'm sorry, San Jose. That's when San Jose took Logan Couture and the Blues with the 14th pick. I think it was took took Ian Cole. Uh, but then they then they had Alex Petrangelo the following year with the fourth overall pick. That's it for top ten in that rebuild. And then the thing of the Edmonton Oilers that I think have picked ten times, twelve times in the last 14 years in the top ten. The last time the St. Louis Blues took a forward, took a forward with a top ten pick was Rod Brindamore. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's stunning to think about. And they said, okay, well, they took defensemen. Well, in those 30-plus in those years, they've only had five top ten picks at their disposal. I, uh, so it, it, it really is amazing how competitive this team has managed to stay. It, it really is, um, and it's a tribute. It's it's a credit to Doug Armstrong. Everybody, and there's a segment of the fan base wants to, and I hear from him every time I praise Armstrong, and I've pointed out his mistakes. You've questioned some. We all have. They all make mistakes. Sure. He's made a couple. Uh, he's he's made a couple of uh, doozies, but uh, he always seems to recover from that. Though you know, you 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 pawn off a. Uh, Laterra to to Philadelphia. You 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 pawn off uh, Berglund and uh, Sabotka to Buffalo. One of the great trades ever for Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, I, okay. he. All, all I know is this: since he became the general manager, number two in the league in wins. So I I don't know well, you know so I don't know what else you would and want. Don't forget he he was the general manager in charge of the draft when the Blues traded David Runblad of all people to the Ottawa Senators. Two picks after the Blues chose Jaden Schwartz, and that's the pick that they chose Vladimir Tarasenko with. Where they haven't made too many mistakes, and this is the important part, is with their draft picks. Yeah, they've had some that haven't panned out. Wallman, you know, you, you're going to have some of those hit and misses. They've had more hits than misses, and that's important. Good stuff from Curbs and Bernie from earlier today on 101 ESPN. During our intermission reports, there is a Krispy Kreme cup of Joe. You've heard it here on the Daily Blues podcast where Joe Vitale sits down with somebody related with the Blues or the Blues family, team, or, or alumni. And this week, he had a chance to catch up with the Hall of Famer Bernie Federko. So here is Joey Vitale with Bernie Federko on your Daily Blues podcast right here on 101ESPN.com. All right, this is the Krispy Kreme Cup of Joe, and I'm here with Hall of Famer Bernie Federko, one of the all-time blues greats. And, Bernie, I wanted to uh, get you on here uh, as we segue into the All-Star game, which will be happening next week. And let's talk about some of the All-Stars. In particular, I want to mention about David Perron, who gets that last man voted in, and uh, I think deservingly so. I want your opinion on it. Uh, But how about David Perron and and just his shot? I mean, that's something that I've never seen in his whole career. And you look at how you lose Vladimir Tarasenko, and now David Perron steps in there. And uh, to me, I think he has one of the most lethal shots on this team, maybe in the league. But I wanted your take on David Perron and and how he's whipping that puck at the net. Yeah, it it really has been a turnaround. I mean, David's always been able to shoot the puck. But I think, Joey, this year, for whatever reason, uh, it just seems to have more zip on it. Obviously, he's got a lot of confidence going uh, with it right now. But I think as a shooter, when, when you're hot, you're hot. And uh, whether he changed his stick, there's been so many things that have been said that he's got a longer stick or he's got a, a more whip in his stick. Uh, whatever he did, <laughs> it's really worked because the puck is coming off a lot quicker than it is. And um, he's hitting his spots. And I think, you know, if you talk to a goal scorer like Brett Hall, he'll say, hey, the reason you score goals is because you hit the net all the time. And I think that we see David hitting the net a lot more times than he did last year. I think he missed the, the net an awful lot, trying to maybe have, have the perfect shot, sometimes shooting higher wide now it's on the net and it's going in. You know, Bernie, you scored a lot of goals in your career. If you ever found yourself in a rut where maybe you were missing your spots or you're missing, you locate an area where you want to hit and you were missing it, 
what would you do uh, either daily or uh, mentally, physically, practice-wise, off-ice-wise to get maybe redialed in if you were missing those areas you were trying to hit? Well, you spend extra time on the ice shooting pucks. I mean, you would spend time before practice, after practice, and I think I just concentrated on making sure that I hit the net. I mean, um, you know, David is a goal scorer. I mean, he's a shooter. I mean, I was more of a passer, so I... If the puck wasn't going in, yeah, it bothered me a little bit, but I knew that eventually, you know, if I was around the net, puck was going to find me and it was going to end up going in the net. But I think with the goal scorers like David, uh, you know, you have to practice just hitting the net, and I think that's the, the biggest thing is that don't shoot too high. Don't try to hit that exactly perfect spot. Just make sure that you know that it's going to be somewhere between the 4 by 6 and if it's going to be there, a lot of times you can fan on a shot and it still goes in. It's just making sure that you get it on the net. What can you say about this city? Uh, that you, it was a huge part of, obviously, your life. Uh, you win the Stanley Cup last year. You get the All-Star game. But not only that, but looking at next weekend, Craig Bruby behind the bench, Jordan Bennington, Alex Petrangelo, Ryan O'Reilly, and David Perron. Uh, by far the majority uh, of any team in the National Hockey League, the Blues have the most representatives. What will that mean for the city next weekend? I think it means a, a huge thing for the city. I mean, uh, they deserve it. Every one of these uh, guys that are there, I mean, Craig has done such a great job coaching this team. I mean, they, they're the defending Stanley Cup champs. So, I mean, it's only reasonable that uh, they should be represented very well. And the way they're playing right now, tied for first and overall in the National Hockey League. I mean, I think everybody was expecting them to have a Stanley Cup hangover. They were going to struggle at the beginning of the year. We'll lose Tarasenko, but they have not missed a beat, and uh, every one of them is, is very deserved. And I think the fans really will respond to that. I mean, I, I, Joey, I mean, every game is sold out now. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. It's, uh, every game is sold out here in the building, and I think that's just a, a testament to the way the team has played and the way the fans have responded. I mean, the fans love the San Luis Blues, and uh, they're going to get a heck of a show here at the All-Star game next weekend. Well, that was Bernie Federkel, the Hall of Famer, the only man that loves limoncello more than me. Bernie, thanks for your time <laughs> on this Krispy Kreme Cup of Joe, and uh, we'll have a good one tonight. Sounds good. Thanks, Joey. Again, that was the Krispy Kreme Cup of Joe. Those air during our Blues intermission, First, usually during the first intermission of St. Louis Blues Hockey on 101 ESPN. Well, that wraps it up for today's Daily Blues podcast. Don't forget the Blues are on the air tonight against the Ducks. Anaheim coming in with a 17-23-5 record. They have 39 points in the Pacific Division. So a winnable game tonight for the St. Louis Blues. And one thing we have seen through the first, what, 44 games, 45 games of the season so far, is that the Blues get the other team's best effort. So I expect that from the Anaheim Ducks tonight. We're on the air at 6 o'clock with the Mitsubishi Electric pregame show presented by First Community. BMW West St. Louis pregame skate at 6.30. Curbs and Joey with the call just after 7 on 101 ESPN tonight. Go see a ball game often. Follow your local teams. It really is fun for the entire family. My name is Dan Betlock, and we're signing off here on 101ESPN.com.